Hello and welcome to this week's Reorg Europe podcast. My name is Richard Woolley and I am the Distressed Debt and Restructuring Editor in Reorg's London office. This week I'm joined by legal analyst Shan Qureshi and reporter Aradius Seidelhofer. We will be discussing the ongoing challenge to Debenham's Company Voluntary Arrangement, or CVA, in the English High Court, and taking a look at struggling Spanish paper company Lecter. So, Shan, the challenge to Debenham's CVA has received quite a lot of media attention this week. What's going on? Thanks, Richard. Yeah, a group of of, uh, Debenham's landlords have applied to the High Court in London, challenging the retail giant CVA, which took the company out of administration. The challenge commenced on Monday this week, and in terms of context, the CVA was approved by nearly 95% by value of creditors. Now, that's significantly more than the 75% statutory threshold. So those creditors voted on the proposal, and under the terms of the CVA, landlords have had their rental payments cut by up to 50%. Now, unlike schemes of arrangement, where creditors with different rights against the company are placed in different classes... Under a CVA, all unsecured creditors, including the landlords, are placed in the same group. This means that the landlords can effectively be crammed down and have the CVA forced upon them. Now, the Debenham CVA prevented it entering liquidation, but it also reduced the future rent payable and terminated certain leases before their contractual expiration date. Now, it's not uncommon for landlords to challenge, or at least threaten to challenge, the terms of a CVA. However, in the majority of cases, they're paid off by the company promoting the CVA, or they otherwise settle. However, in this case, it's the involvement of Mike Ashley and his company Sports Direct, which has drawn significant attention. Right. How are Mike Ashley and Sports Direct involved then? Well, Sports Director was a key shareholder of Debenhams, and in the lead-up to Debenhams restructuring, there was, in effect, a battle between Mike Ashley on one side and Debenhams bondholders and its directors on the other side. Now, both sides proposed rescue deals to the company, offering new money. However, the company chose to take the bondholders deal, which effectively wiped out Sports Direct shareholding. So the business was sold to a special purpose vehicle held by the bondholders, taking all value away from the shareholders, and understandably, Mike Ashley and Sports Direct were annoyed. Sports Direct therefore launched a challenge of its own in in July against Debenhams, but this was dropped. Instead, Sports Directors offered to fund the group of landlords who are challenging TBA. So the landlords hold their properties on trust for various charities, and Sports Direct has offered to pay their legal costs and indemnify them against any adverse costs. Sports Direct has gone even further and suggested that if the CVA challenge is successful and the CVA gets unwound and Debenhams is then taken over by Sports Direct, it will ensure that the challenging landlords get more rent than they are currently being paid. When the Debenhams Council was cross-examining witnesses of the challenging landlords, the barrister tried to drill down to the detail of this arrangement. However, the funding arrangement appears to be very simple and lack any detailed documented applications. Uh, So why are the landlords challenging the CBA? Well, there's two answers to that question. The first is the legal grounds of challenge. Put simply, the landlords feel that they've been unfairly treated by the CBA in that they've had their claims compromised, whereas ordinary unsecured creditors are repaid on better terms. The legal basis for the challenge is extensive and includes unfair prejudice and a lack of jurisdiction to approve the CBA. The second is more commercial and perhaps a more cynical ground which is that the landlord's challenge is being used as a vessel by Sports Direct to unwind the CBA and Debenham's current restructuring and essentially push the group into administration. 
The company's claimed that Sports Direct wants to dismantle Debenhams as it's its biggest competitor and then acquire its assets on the cheap. What would happen if the challenges were successful? You know, what's the likely outcome of all this? Well, if the challenging landlords are successful at first instance, you have to remember this is a, a hearing at the High Court, the CVA process will be halted and, subject to any appeal by the company, the group will most likely be placed into administration. Now, Debenhams has actually already lined up Deloitte to act as administrator, should it lose the challenge. The parties are still at court, with the he uh, hearing scheduled to conclude tomorrow, on Friday the 6th of September. Now, they're working towards uh, receiving an agreed deadline of uh, September the 29th, and this is the date upon which the court has agreed to provide its judgment. The reason for this is so that any appointed administrator would be able to pursue certain preference claims within a statute-prescribed six-month deadline. Now, if the group does enter into administration, Sports Direct will, in effect, be back in the game and be able to pursue a strategy under which it could eventually take control of Debenham's assets. Now, this will all depend on the outcome of the trial. A decision, any decision, is highly likely to be appealed to the high courts. So, absent a settlement, the matter isn't going to be concluded anytime soon. OK, thanks, Sean. Now, Lecter is a Spanish paper company which has been struggling against declining demand for coated wood-free paper used in the production of magazines. Aurelio, you've been following the recent developments. Can you bring us up to speed? Hi, Richard. Yes, so Lecta reported its second quarter results last week, and they were relatively weak, with a 30% drop year-over-year year in EBITDA. And on the same day, the company confirmed rumours that it had hired Evercore and Rothschild as financial advisors, as well as saying it was engaging with a financial advisor representing a group of bondholders. Isn't it quite unusual for a company to hire two financial advisors? Though? Yes, it is a bit unusual. But we have heard that Evercore brings a bit more expertise in the paper and packaging market to the table, while Rothschild has been a long-standing advisor to the company. They also advised Lecter on the failed IPO attempt in 2017. Okay, and we're still waiting for creditors to uh, appoint their own advisor, is that right? Yes, exactly. There's a mix of bondholders across the 225 million senior secured notes and uh, 375 million secured notes. Uh, Cheney Capital, Genovari, Credit Suisse and King Street are among the larger bondholders, but there are also many investors with smaller positions. Uh, there are no official mandates for the financial advisors yet, although uh, PW Partners, Julian Loki and PJT are in talks uh, with some of the bondholders. How did the company get to this point? The stressed and distressed debt universe became interested in the company in May. And at that time, the bonds were in the mid-70s. The bonds fell to the 40s and later to the 30s after the European Commission objected to a 35 million state support package for the conversion of a French paper mill in Condat. Okay, so it needs to get money from somewhere else then. What's its current financial position? During the earnings call earlier this week, management said it expects EBITDA to be in the region of 100 million for the financial year. The company also expects about 60 million in capex as it needs to convert some of its plants to increase the capacity for a speciality paper to move it away from the quoted wood-free paper market, which is in decline as you mentioned earlier. The company has fully drawn its 65 million RCF. So although it's two bonds, one for the 25 million and one for the 375 million, mature in 2020, uh, 2022, I'm sorry, and 2023, respectively. 
Investors are worried about a potential tight liquidity position and the company's ability to make coupon payments in the future. Uh, do we know of any possible solutions to the company's difficulties? It's still very early days. It would help if the company could eventually secure some form of state aid to convert the conduct paper mill. As far as we understand, it would cost almost the same to close it down as it would cost to convert it. Part of the support package was aimed at helping the company with its energy costs, which are high in France. But even if the company gets some help from the government, it still needs some new money for working capital and to support its capex plans. Mm. How much new money does it need? We don't know yet. It's clear that the 40 to 50 million is needed for the conversion of the paper mill in France. Some of this could come from state aid. During its last earnings call, management sounded confident that some can be worked out with the uh, something can be worked out with the French government. Some sources we spoke to said the company needs an additional 100 to 150 million to fund its working capital needs, especially if suppliers decide to shorten payment terms from an average level of 130 days currently to 90, and then eventually down to 30. On the earnings call, the company said there had been no changes on supplier payment terms since the last quarter, since the first quarter. Management also said it was having talks with its trade credit providers this week. So let's see how this pans out. Okay, Shan, Aurelia, thanks very much. Uh, we'll be back with another Reorg Europe podcast in two weeks' time. 